God, we ask for your uh, power of your Spirit to be upon us as we, um, God, learn about you this morning and learn about lies and learn about truth. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts. I pray you would give us the ability to hear your Spirit well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I should mention, uh, next week uh, we have Andy Park and his uh, band playing here Sunday morning. He's like the, he's like the, the big gahuna at the, uh, the gospel festival, so he's going to be playing here. He's uh, um, a well-known musician, I think to many people anyways. <laughs> he wrote the, the song In the Secret, if you know that old worship song. He's the guy who wrote that. So he's going to be here uh, doing worship for next week, so please come out. Today we are going to, uh, this week and next, going to be looking at uh, some lies uh, that Satan wants us to believe. And um, Satan is a fallen angel. He's a powerful angel. He took with him when he fell from heaven a bunch of other angels, which we know as demons. And uh, Satan and demons want to do anything they can to keep us from the fullness of life, to keep us from good relationships, from ke- to keep us from, from serving God with all, our whole heart, mind, and strength. Uh, God did not put us here on this planet to just kind of be selfish. He put us here to love God and to love people and to make a difference in this kingdom. And uh, that's exactly what Satan does not want you to do. Uh, Satan wants you to be ineffective in your marriages, in your relationships, and at work. And uh, he he just wants to to wreck life. God wants to add life. We see in John chapter 10, it says that the thief, that is Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Satan is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And anything in your life that you feel is being stolen or killed or is being blown up in relationships or whatever, that's that's Satan. He is trying to keep you from loving God and loving people. Jesus, on the other hand, came so we might have life and life to the full. And Satan, one of the main ways he will get you to pull away from others and pull away from God is through lies. It's his most powerful tool that he will get you to try to believe a lie to pull you away from loving God and loving people. In John 8, Jesus talking about Satan or the devil. Uh, He's mentioning to the Pharisees first, but he says, you Pharisees belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. There is no truth in Satan. Uh, He will lie. He uh, he is the father of lies. Just think of that name, the father of lies. And he's been doing it from the very, very beginning. So he is very, very good. And he knows where you and I are weak. He knows which lies we are, are maybe perhaps likely to believe. And so he will do whatever he can to get us to believe uh, those lies. And of course, we see this happen right from the very, very beginning in the book of Genesis. This is Satan in the form of a serpent. He says to Eve, uh, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, 
and you must not touch it or you will die. And so in this beautiful, perfect world, God puts this one tree in the garden which he says don't touch. And if you touch it, you will die. You will, you will move from the life that God has, has given you. And sometimes people ask, well, why in the world did God even put this tree that they're not supposed to touch in this perfect world? Why would he do that? And there are a lot of reasons, but one of those reasons is, is because God's main goal in the universe is, is love. God is love. Uh, life is about giving and receiving love from God and giving and receiving love towards each other. In order for love to be true and real, there has to be freedom. If I force you to love me, that's not true love. True love can only happen when you have the, the choice to love me or not love me. That, that's true love when you have choice. So God, uh, one of the reasons he puts it there is to give Adam and Eve a choice. They can choose to follow God or choose not to follow God because that's how true love is created in a world of freedom where you choose to love or not love. So he puts this tree in there, but Satan's going to use that to develop a lie that uh, Adam and Eve are going to believe. And he says this, you will, certainly not, uh, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And sometimes this tree is known as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they weren't supposed to touch it or eat from it, which is kind of weird when you think about it, because you would think the knowledge of good and evil is a good thing. I mean, isn't that part of what we are to be developing, the knowledge of good and evil, knowing what is good and what is evil and being able to discern that? I mean, why was this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, why was it a bad thing? And there are a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is, is, is it's the idea of the knowledge of good and evil without God. Where we, when we eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and we still do this today, it is us saying, I'm going to decide what is good and what is evil. I don't need God. I'm going to decide what is right and wrong. I know what's best for my life. I know what's bad for my life. I'm going to make the choices. I'm going to be Lord and God. I don't need God up there because I'm going to make the choice of what is good and what is evil. And this is often why our life goes so south sometimes and we get into trouble because we think something is good when God has said it was bad, but we think it's good and we go try it out and, and we lose joy and we lose purpose. So there is this tree, but Satan in, it puts this lie in there. He says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. In other words, the lie is that God really isn't for you. That God really isn't good. That God's actually holding out on you. That if you eat this, you're going to be like God, and, and God doesn't want that. God wants you to be kind of low lives. He doesn't really love you. He's, he just kind of wants you to stay in the, over there. And so he doesn't want you to eat that tree. That God doesn't fully love you. Because if God fully loved you, he would let you eat of that tree. You see the lies he's trying to put in Adam and Eve? He's getting Adam and Eve to doubt God, to doubt, doubt God's love, to doubt his care, to doubt his character. And whenever Satan can get us to doubt God's love or character, he's got us. And we see he got uh, Adam and Eve. For when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, by the way. This was, not Adam, or this was not just Eve, and Adam was off somewhere else. They were together on this. Who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All of a sudden, they felt shame, and they had to cover themselves. 
And this is what happens whenever we believe a lie of God. We will feel shame. We will want to hide. And this is one of the reasons why we all hide from each other at times. Why we don't tell the whole truth. There's certain parts of our lives we hide. is because we tend to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Deciding what is good and evil without God. And it causes us to pull away from God and pull away from other people. Uh, We need to be careful that we do not believe the lies of the enemy. I wrote this thought down that, uh, that your relationship with God will never go beyond your view of God. If you don't trust God fully, if you don't believe He is 100% good and 100% loving, if you're just kind of a little, a little iffy, you know, maybe 90% loving, and I don't know about this other 10%, if you believe any kind of lie that the enemy wants to put in there that God is not fully good, fully loving, fully for you, those kinds of things, you will never have a deep relationship with God. You will never want to fully surrender to Him. I mean, why would you surrender to someone who you can't trust? Because you only surrender to people you can fully trust, unless it's forced, but God doesn't force you. And so, our view of God is super important. And often the reason some people say, well, I just can't surrender, is because the reason is they're believing a lie about God. And the question is, what is the lie that you're believing I mean, if you cannot just surrender your life to Jesus, if you just can't just trust him and just, just, just open your heart to him, somewhere in your heart, Satan has planted a lie about God's character that you are believing. And so here's a question that we can ask. And we can ask it right now because uh, God is a God who speaks, speaks by his Holy Spirit. And when he asks this question, he may give you a word, he may give you a thought, he may give you a picture. But this is the question. Uh, Father, is there any lie that I'm believing about you that is keeping me from a deeper relationship with you? Just take a moment and ask that question, each of us in our hearts. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at a few different lies. Uh, if God put a lie upon your heart, if he said something to you, uh, that needs to be dealt with. And uh, this maybe will help you. Maybe next week will help you. Uh, but uh, you want to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Those lies will rob you of life. They will rob you of your ability to relate to others. So it's really important that we catch some of these lies. And we're going to look at two lies today that are super common And these are such basic truths, yet it's fascinating how many people who've been followers of Jesus for years and years subtly believe these lies. And they're just easy lies for Satan to get us to believe, even though it's basic Christianity 101. And the first lie we want to look at is this, that God does not fully forgive me. It's amazing how many followers of Jesus actually believe this. They will say, well, God forgives all the you know, little stuff I've done and, and maybe the stuff I did before I was a believer, but now you know, I really messed up here and, and God doesn't fully forgive me. Or they subtly believe somewhere that, that they have to carry around condemnation and shame because God just wants to keep punishing them because God doesn't really forgive them. I mean, can you honestly today just 
take a deep breath and just feel completely, you just feel completely forgiven. And can't you breathe in and breathe out and you just feel clean? If you're a follower of Jesus and have confessed your sin, you should. But it's amazing how many times Christians can't. They're like, yeah, there's something in there that I feel that for some reason I don't believe God can really forgive me. I don't believe he's really forgiven me. And this is a lie that Satan wants to put into your heart. He wants you to believe that God doesn't fully forgive you. Because one, you will never be fully close to God if you believe there's something between you. You'll always be hands off. Two, you will never be able to fully forgive others. One of the reasons, there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons sometimes people can't forgive another person is because they themselves don't feel that God has fully forgiven them. So why should I fully forgive someone else? I tell you, if you really, really believe the truth of God's word, that he really absolutely forgives you, then I tell you, it's far more easy to forgive those around you because you know you're clean. This is a promise. And again, when you read stuff in the Bible, when you read this at home, don't read it like a Hallmark card where these are just nice fluffy sayings. This, these are promises. These, these are truths from the Word of God. And you can count on them. And so when uh, John says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That if you confess your sin, whatever it is, even if you've messed up horribly this week and you feel rotten today, if you confess your sin, He is absolutely faithful and just to cleanse you of sin and to make you righteous in God's eyes. Where you can actually breathe deep and feel forgiven. This is a promise. So you have, a, you have an option here. Either you can believe God, who's the God of this universe, or you can believe Satan. And it's funny how often we choose to believe Satan. That for some reason, God really won't forgive me here. Or, or I've just messed up too many times. It's like the 20th time I've done it this last month, and God really can't forgive me. It's just these lies from the enemy. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse you from sin. And there's lots of stories to illustrate this. My favorite is King David. Because everybody looks up to King David. I mean, he's the, the man after God's own heart. It says in the Old Testament, the New Testament says he was a man after God's own heart. Yet he lived a pretty messed up life. I mean, we know the story where because he's king and he has power, he commits adultery with this woman. And then because he's king, he's got power. He kills her husband to try to cover it up because the, she gets pregnant. I mean, he was a pretty horrible dad. But he's still called this the man after God's own heart. All throughout the first Chronicles and Kings, we see that all the other kings are actually compared to David. We see phrases like this. Uh, talking about Abijah, his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord as God as the heart of David, his forefather had been. Or Asa. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as David, his father, has done. Like, it's like, how, how could God talk so highly about King David when he lived so miserably at times? When he messed up so deeply? In fact, you go into the New Testament, we see King David is mentioned 54 times in the New Testament, pretty much 100% positive. We see he's mentioned in the Hall of Faith. We see Jesus himself taking on the title Son of David. Now, how could somebody 
who messed up so horribly, probably more than any of us in this room, uh, God looked at him in such a righteous way. It's a testimony of how clean and how powerful God's forgiveness is. That even though David messed up royally, God could look at him and say, there's a man after my own heart. Because he confessed his sin and had a soft heart before God. And if you have a soft heart before God, God really can forgive you. You can actually feel free. You don't have to walk around in condemnation anymore. You don't have to walk around feeling ashamed. Because God washes that away through the power of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah, it says, I, even I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. I mean, the all-knowing God who knows everything is so serious about this. He says, I will remember your sin no more. Now, you may still remember it, but God forgives that cleanly, that he removes it. He does not hold us against, uh, it against us anymore. Uh, Romans 5 says, we have been justified, and that word means just as if you never did it. Just as if you never did it. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you are in relationship with Jesus and you're confessing your sin, God looks at you with these eyes of peace. Satan would have you believe that God is looking at you with eyes of anger. That God is just wanting to take you out. He's wanting to take you out in the woodshed and give you another spanking because you just messed up again this week for the 20th time or whatever. We have peace. And this is not about how good we are. This is about how amazing the gospel is. This is about Jesus and how powerful his work is on the cross. That his uh, work on the cross is so powerful. You really can be forgiven. And you really need to believe that. And if you don't believe that, again, it'll affect your relationship with others and it'll affect your relationship with God. Hebrews talks about how through Jesus that we can actually be cleansed from a guilty conscience. And it's amazing how many people walk through their life feeling condemned or feeling so much shame because of mistakes they have made or feeling guilty. God forgives. Your guilty conscience can be washed. Your shame can be taken away. It can be removed. In fact, three times the Bible says this, the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. God does not put you to shame. And if sometimes you feel shame from God, you know that that's a lie of the enemy. Because one of Satan's lies is that God does not fully forgive you that God wants to fe- make you feel so ashamed, you should feel so condemned for what you did. You're such a horrible person. Now, don't get me wrong. God will give us a case of the guilty sometimes because he wants us to come back to him. But if any time you feel such shame where you want to pull away from God and hide as Adam and Eve done, then you know that's not from God. That's from the enemy. Do you believe you are fully forgiven? Do you just feel clean inside because of the work of Christ? All of us here should. And maybe you don't feel clean because you've never confessed your sin. Maybe right now as you go, you breathe deep and just do a heart check, you're just like, ah, there's something there I've never confessed. And that is you. Let's deal with that right now. So we, we can deal with that through confession. Here's a little prayer. Father, I confess whatever that is, you feel is on your heart that's, A little bit of blockage there. I confess 
anger, whatever, as my sin, and ask you to forgive me. And then you just say, Father, I thank you for your forgiveness and that I am righteous in your eyes. And you stand on that truth. Because Satan will want to get in there and say, that's not really true. It is true. You have three options. You can trust God, you can trust your own emotions, or you can trust Satan. And I hope you say, I'm going to trust God. So I'm just going to give you a moment, if there's anything on your heart, to just uh, deal with this with the Holy Spirit. Father, we just seal this truth into our hearts that if we confess our sin, that you are faithful and you are just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, would you push back any lies of the enemy that want to sneak in to condemn us, to make us feel ashamed. Father, we walk in the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. In his name, amen. And together, let's deal with this lie. Let's read this together. Uh, Father, I renounce the lie that I am not forgiven. Father, I receive your truth that you forgive and that I am forgiven. And we deal one more today. And this other lie is that God does not love deeply. And it's another basic truth of Christianity that God is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Yet it is amazing how many Christians who don't feel fully loved by God. Who may feel like God kind of likes them, but doesn't fully love them. Or God loves those really good Christians, but, you know, I'm not the greatest Christian, so God just kind of has a partial love for me. Or, you know, God just kind of puts up with me. But there's not this genuine, heartfelt, father love that they're able to receive. And again, if you don't fully believe that God loves you deeply and 100%, you will always just stand a little bit back from him. You will never be able to fully surrender into his arms and just say, take my life and take my all, God. I trust you because I know you love me 100%. If you don't believe he loves you 100%, you will never live a surrendered life. And so when you look in the mirror, uh, do you see someone who is fully and deeply loved by God? Maybe just close your eyes for a moment and just picture yourself standing before the throne of God Do you feel that you are just this fully loved child of God? Because I hope you do, if you're a follower of Jesus, because God loves you deeply, and he loves you deeply, and he's he's, he's looking at you again, Romans 5, 1, with eyes of peace. You are fully justified in his eyes. You are a son, you are his daughter, and it's good sometimes just to stay in that place of imagination. God has given us the imagination for a reason that can be helpful to solidify these truths that God loves me deeply. He really does love us. John 17. So much in this verse. Uh, Jesus says, I have given, he's talking about us. This is a prayer for all believers, all followers of Jesus. He says, I have given them, that's us, the glory that you gave me. Which is a crazy thought right there. That Jesus is saying, 
that, that we have received the glory that the Father gave to Jesus. That's, that's crazy. Why did he do that? The answer is right here. That they may be one as we are one. For unity. That we would get along and love each other. <laughs> he didn't give us the glory so we can show off and be prideful and look at my gift. He gave it so that we might love each other deeply. I gave uh, I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And, and our unity is such a testimony. So Jesus says. God has given us glory so that we may love each other even though we're lots of different, different, we have different opinions on different things and that we might be one. Then the world will know the power of God. I mean, we as followers of Jesus don't take this very seriously because we love to just, well, I'm not of that group over there, you know. Uh, then the world will know that you, but, but he says this, this is the point here. Jesus says that God the Father has loved us even as he has loved Jesus. That is the same love the Father has for Jesus, the Father has for you. That's what Jesus is saying. Now you would think God the Father has a lot of love for God the Son. And it's just this perfect, deep, unhindered love. Jesus says that's the same kind of love the Father has for you. Even though we mess up and we're not all together because, because God is love and he is perfect in his love and he is genuine. And when we uh, just, just live into it, it's a beautiful thing when we live into this. And one of the reasons we have such a hard time with unity and getting along with people is because we don't believe this truth. You see, when you don't believe you're fully loved by God, you have to get your worth from other places, like showing off. Like through your beauty or through, I got to prove I'm right. And if you prove I'm wrong, then I got to prove I'm right. Because I get my worth from being right or whatever. And it causes, causes a lot of disunity when we don't know that we are full. When you are fully loved, you are just free to love. You're free to love people who are different than you. You're free to have beautiful conversations with people who have radically different opinions than you. And you can have calm conversations because you know you don't have anything to prove. You know you're fully loved. Uh, when you receive the full love of God, it sets you free to love others beautifully. When you don't feel fully loved, then you got to get that worth from other people. And you got to fight and, and protest and beat other people and be better than them because i got to get my value. I tell you, you have full value in Jesus. All of you, you're just set free to love because he loves you. He loves you at your worst, Romans 5. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. The, while we were his enemies, it says God loved us. So if God loves you at your worst, why would you ever believe the truth that God doesn't love you now? And it doesn't matter if you've been performing this week or not, or you've been doing well or not this week. God really does love you deeply. And that love should always just cause you to run towards him. And one of the reasons, uh, manifestations in our life sometimes that we know that we fully don't trust God's love is when we mess up, we run from him. Well, I better not come to church today because I really was pretty bad. I better not do devotions because, you know, I better not give the church is going to, roof is going to fall into my head or something like that. It means you don't trust that God really loves you. He's calling you back to him. He's calling you back to repentance. He's calling you back to lay down your sin and pick up the life that, that he wants to give you. We can't be separated from God's love. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death, uh, death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And this just means life is hard. And Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. Jesus said, tomorrow has enough things to worry about tomorrow. Just worry about today. Life is hard. But we lean into this truth that I am fully, fully loved. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know this kind of love? What would your life look like if you just fully opened yourself up to this kind of love? When you started living in a way that you didn't have to prove anything to anybody else, you didn't have to show off, you didn't have to prove that you're right all the time, that you just are just set free to love and to live in the truth of, of God. I, I think it would change the world. We could live that way in the love of God. Hebrews 4, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is one of those beautiful passages that is great for the imagination. That you can approach the throne of God with boldness and confidence. Not because you're so good, not because you have everything together, but because Jesus is so good. Because notice the context. Let's go to the throne of grace with confidence. Usually when we mess up, we're like, I don't know if I can go into the throne room today, and God, I don't know if he really loves me now. But in context, it's when we need mercy and we need grace and we're in need. Usually meaning we've had a bad week and things haven't gone well. That's what he says. I love you so much. I've forgiven your sins so much that even in this miserable state, you can come boldly into my throne because I love you as a son or a daughter. I mean, do you know that kind of love? That kind of love just bubbling in your heart, dependent, just, just, just stirring in there because it should be. But Satan will do whatever he can to get you to believe a lie that you're not fully forgiven. He'll do whatever he can to get you to believe that you're not fully loved because that will ruin you in your relationship with God and your relationship with with people. So let's read this together. Let's renounce this lie together. Let's read it together. Uh, Father, I renounce the lie that you do not love me deeply. And I receive the truth that you, Father, love me. You love Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for your beautiful love. We thank you for your beautiful forgiveness. Uh, Father, right now, we just seal those truths in our mind that, God, as we live at our days and our weeks, whenever there is a thought that comes in that I'm not fully forgiven or I'm not fully loved, that in Jesus' name we will come against that with the power and truth of your word and proclaim your truth and stand in your truth. We do not believe the lies of the enemy. We do not lean primarily on our feelings, our own emotions. We believe your truth. So God, may we walk in your truth. May we live in your truth. And we thank you for the work of Jesus that made this all possible. It is because of Jesus we can be forgiven. And it's because of Jesus, God, we are washed clean and have a relationship with you. And God, I proclaim you as Lord and King, and we love you in Jesus' name, amen.